Hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording a new episode of Lost in the Woods. Welcome, welcome. If you haven't already come and checked us out on Patreon, come and check us out on Patreon. We're going to be doing our end of the year live and we're going to talk about all of our favorite cases. You guys can come with your favorite cases and we're just going to have a conversation about them. It's going to be great. We will also have our Christmas card going out here in the next month for all of our Patreons, which is Super exciting. So come join us on Patreon. It's going to be a lot of fun. Today we are going to be talking about Bradford Bishop. Our story starts at 12 noon on March 6 of 1976 in Bethesda, Maryland. A man contacted police. He was concerned that he had not seen the family next door for a while and that he was worried about them. Police suggested that maybe the family had gone out of town and not told their neighbor, which kind of seems logical to me because I've never told our neighbors when we're going out of town. Yeah, but when your neighbors, like, disappear for, like, months. They've been gone for, like, a week. Oh. um, Actually, I think they've been gone for, like, four days. Why the fuck is he calling them? Because it was so unusual. He killed them. I think our neighbors would be more likely to be concerned if one of my teenagers threw a party than if we were missing for four days. But... The neighbor was adamant that they always shared their plans with him and that he even had a key to bring in their mail when they went out of town. So why didn't he just go check on them? He killed them. The neighbor? Yeah. No. We'll go ahead and uh, disperse that theory immediately. Now, after some convincing, the police would respond to the Bishop home at 8103 Lilystone Drive where they would find blood on the front porch. So the neighbor didn't go up to the house at all? No, I don't, it Why doesn't sound like it. Up to the house, I do not understand. Suspicious to the neighbor. Stop with the suspicious neighbor. Why? It's weird. Why wouldn't he just go knock on the door? Why is he calling the police before he knocks on the door? I don't know. This he didn't knock the on the door. There's blood on the front porch. Maybe he didn't notice the blood on the front porch. Is he old? I don't know. I have questions. You're being so aggressive about this neighbor. He has nothing to do with anything. How do you know? Oh, my God. Were you there? (laughs) Now, inside, they would find so much more blood. It was on the floor. It was on the walls of the front hall. It continued into the bedrooms. So I'm going to say they're dead. What they did not find were any of the bishops. Buried in the backyard. So we have a bloody scene, but no sign of... Brad Bishop, his wife, his three kids, or his mother, who also lived with them. So mistake number one that this killer's already made is he moved the bodies. Possibly. Moving the bodies is always a mistake. Maybe. I don't know. Think about all the mysterious ones where someone was killed right then and there, and then left there, and then nobody knows nobody what happened. Nobody ever solves the crime. Because they never yeah. made a mistake, because most mistakes are made in transit. Well, but the ones where people actually moved the bodies and cleaned up the crime scene properly, you just never know that they actually died there. Yeah, fair enough, but... They're just missing. Why would you make such a mess if you're going to do that? Well, that's probably the first mistake, right? Don't get blood everywhere. On March 2nd of 1976, so just days before the bishop's neighbor calls police to report the family missing... But doesn't knock on the door. But doesn't knock on the door. A forest ranger named Ronald Brickhouse was called to a brush fire in North Carolina. 
Okay. Are we in North Carolina? No. Maryland. We're in Maryland. So, different state. Same vibe. Different county. Same vibe. But what happens when you go to a different state and a different county? Well, obviously everything's fucked up. Nothing's connected. They don't communicate. The moral of every story is nobody communicates. 100%. The fire had been spotted by a fire tower worker named Wilma Swain, who worked at the fire lookout tower, which was five miles south of Columbia, North Carolina, and had a view of about 40 miles in every direction. She had seen smoke coming from a wooded area near Highway 94, about a mile from the tower. So around 1 p.m., Brickhouse arrives at the fire, which is burning off Burton Shell Road, and he worked to get the fire under control and then headed back to his truck to radio for backup. And he would make a shocking discovery. I'll give you three seconds to guess what it was. Mm-hmm. He said, quote, I saw a pile of dirt, but it was not just a pile of dirt. It was five bodies still smoldering in a newly dug grave. He initially thought that it might have been someone burning hogs, but would be shocked to discover that it was actually five bodies. It was two women and three children. It's interesting to me that his first instinct was that somebody was burning hogs. I think everybody Is has... that normal? I don't know, but people do mistake it for pig, humans for pigs a lot. Maybe just like you smell burning flesh of some kind and you your mind tries to go to something or less disturbing. the fact that pig skin looks a lot like human skin. So the fact that you see spots of flesh. Yeah. You could, your brain doesn't want to rationalize that it's a human being. So your brain's going to go to the next closest thing, which is going to be pigs. What is missing from this scene is Bradford Bishop. So he did it. He killed his wife, his wife's mistress, and all the kids. It's his mother. (gasps) Oh, wait. Yeah, fuck. Never mind. It's his mother. So distressing. A little bit about Bradford Bishop. He was born on August 1 of 1936. He was born to LaBella and William Bishop. So he is a junior. His name is actually William Bradford Bishop, but everybody calls him Bradford. He would receive his bachelor's degree in history from Yale University and a master's in art from Middlebury College. He also has a master's degree in African Studies from UCLA, and he is described as being an avid outdoorsman. He enjoys camping, hiking, and he also has his pilot's license. He enjoys riding motorcycles and working out, and he is very fond of dogs. He also likes scotch, peanuts, and spicy food. After graduating from Yale in 1959, Bradford marries his high school sweetheart, Annette Wythe. And the couple would have three sons, who at the time of their murder, we can say now, are 5, 10, and 14. Bishop joined the U.S. Army. They always joined the Army. And spent four years in the counterintelligence department, and he learned to speak four languages. Was he kicked out? He spoke Italian, French, Serbo-Croatian, and Spanish. After leaving the army, it does not specify if he was kicked out or not. It doesn't sound like it, though. He joined the U.S. State Department and served in the foreign services. Okay. Okay, so we this man may or may not be the killer, but I feel like a lot of times when we're talking about someone who has possibly killed their family and they go into the military, I feel like a lot of times they're kicked out. 
Yeah, and I think that does happen a lot, but he only spent four years in the military and actually got a really good job coming out of the military. Many of Bishop's posts were actually overseas, and this included postings in Italy, where he did postgraduate work for the University of Florence from 1968 to 1972. He also served in Africa from 1972 to 1974. In 1974, he began his post at the State Department's headquarters in Washington, D.C., He was the assistant chief in the Diversion of Special Activities and Commercial Treaties, which sounds very like he might be a spy to me, but that's fine. And we already know that he was living in Maryland with his wife, three sons, and his mother who lived in the house with them. Now, this is where things get a little weird. So on March 1st, 1976, after not receiving a promotion that he wanted at work, he went to the bank and withdrew several hundred dollars. And then he went to the store and bought a sledgehammer. Or a bullpen hammer? Yeah, it's reported as both, and I'm not sure which one it is. Isn't a sledgehammer hard and a bullpen hammer is like the softer? No, they're both hard. So it just has like one side is kind of rounded. And one, uh, what are those even fucking used for? I'm not really sure. Nothing good. Either way, I think we can safely put the sledgehammer and the bullpen hammer on the no thank you list. Yep. It's already lumped in there. Bullpen, sledgehammer, already kind on of there. hammer. Yeah. Hammer is a no-no. Okay. And a gas can from Sears. And this was at the Montgomery Mall in Bethesda, Maryland. So he went to Potch's hardware store and bought a shovel and a pitchfork. Both no. Did she talk about him filling up his gas can at a nearby gas station? Oh, also, he did fill up his gas can in between these two things. And he returned home around 7.50 to 8. And this is believed to be when he killed his entire family with... The hammer. This set hammer. Right. He then allegedly drove 275 miles into the Smoky Mountain National Park, where he buried his family in shallow graves... And lit them on fire. Way to just call everyone to the graves you just dug. Police theorized that he left shortly after and did not realize that the fire would not spread and the smoke would alert authorities. Which, do you not know that there are people that literally their entire jobs is watching for fires? Honestly, maybe a lot of people don't realize that. Because, like, I feel I feel like... Either way, though, he's in another state. He's in another county, so maybe he thinks it doesn't matter if they are found. I don't know. On March 2nd, it is reported that he went to a sporting goods store in Jacksonville, North Carolina, and bought new shoes before disappearing. Well, of course. Gotta get rid of those bloody shoes. Can't have that shit on you anymore. Well, and there was a witness who said that she saw him with a dark-skinned, possibly Caribbean descent woman who was holding the leash of the family dog. Meanwhile, police in North Carolina had no way of identifying the bodies that they had found. They were down a remote logging road that was pretty far out of the way, and this may have led them to believe that whoever had left these bodies here might know the area. And we'll post a picture of this road, too. I don't think it looks that remote, but I mean, it is like a forest service road. I mean, if you're looking to dump a body or multiple bodies, you're going to be looking for a secluded road. 
100%. somewhere where there's not going to be people. Like, yeah. Even if he knew the area or didn't know the area, he wasn't going to just dump the bodies out in public. Now, police would send descriptions of the victims up and down the East Coast, hoping that someone would be able to identify them or that they would match up with a missing persons report. They also found a shovel abandoned at the scene, and they are able to trace this shovel to that hardware store in Potomac, Maryland. Holy shit. Impressive. Now, there were also some reports of a small grave that was found nearby that was piled with stones and topped with a cross. And they did allegedly take pictures of this grave, and they would later think that it might have been the grave of the family dog since it looked recent. But when they returned later, they were unable to find the grave again, so they were unable to confirm this. And we know that a witness saw who she thought was Bradford with a woman who had the dog on the same day. But I could not find what time this account was. On March 18, Bishop's 1974 Chevy station wagon would be found abandoned at an isolated campground in Elkmont, Tennessee, which is in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. It was just a few miles from the Appalachian Trail and about 400 miles from where the family had been found in North Carolina. So again, we're crossing state lines. Of course. In the car, there were dog biscuits, a bloody blanket, a shotgun, an axe, and a shaving kit with Bishop's medication in it. The trunk's spare tire well was also full of blood. A witness believed that the car had been there since about March 5th or 7th. So he believed he had seen it for the first time in between the 5th and the 7th of March. Okay. Now, that is within a week of the family going missing. So the timeline fits, basically. Police actually theorized that Bishop joined the flow of hikers on the Appalachian Trail after abandoning his car. That makes sense. A fuck ton of people do that. Yep. After committing crimes, watch out on the goddamn Appalachian Trail because it's the only trail we ever fucking see this on for some reason. Right? It's so disturbing. They would attempt to follow his scent with bloodhounds, but they would be unsuccessful. But either way, on March 19, a grand jury indicts Bishop on five counts of first-degree murder and other charges, but he obviously would not be there to account for them. Bishop, to this day, still remains at large. He has never been found. Crazy. Police do dig into his life, and they find no reports of infidelity or severe financial issues. There were reports of some financial issues, but the severity of them are disputed. Bethesda Magazine reported that the family was being audited by the Internal Revenue Services, but that has never been confirmed by the FBI or the IRS, so who knows if that is actually true. We do know that he was passed over for a promotion at work, but there is still no indication that he had any other issues at work. There was a smidge of tension within the marriage, though, as Bradford wanted an international position, but his wife had recently started school at the University of Maryland, despite him wanting her to be a stay-at-home mom. So this made his ability to travel for work more difficult. Oh, poor guy. 
Poor baby. Poor baby, your wife wants some kind of life. How are you going to live? You cannot travel. Are you done? <laughs> yeah, I'm done now. Okay. <laughs> sure, I guess I'll be done. Bishop did have a history of depression and insomnia. And at the time, he was taking Surac, which is used to treat anxiety and alcohol withdrawal. Now, this class of drugs works on the brain and nerves to provide a calming effect. Side effects that I could find listed drowsiness, dizziness, blurred vision, or headache. And under unlikely side effects, it listed mental or mood changes, trouble speaking, clumsiness, trouble walking, decreased or increased interest in sex, tremor, and sleep disturbances. So... We know that the medication was found in his shaving bag in the car. We don't know if he was currently taking it or taking it as intended or if it had anything to do with anything. It sounds like a pretty mild drug, though. Okay. Bishop does have a six-inch vertical scar on his lower back from surgery, and he has a cleft in his chin and a mole on his left cheek. His father's Smith & Wesson M&P 38 Special Revolver was never found, and the serial number on that weapon is C981967. So go and check your like old weapons that you might have in your houses. And they also were unable to find his Yale class ring. His diplomatic passport is also missing. And we know that he has at least a full week head start before the police even started looking into him. So this would have given him plenty of time to travel with his diplomatic passport. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. His wallet was also never found. He could be in any country right now. There's also speculation out there that he had intelligence training in the 60s, but that could not be confirmed. There have been sightings of him, though, in Italy, Belgium, England, Finland, Netherlands. Germany, Greece, Spain, Sweden, and Switzerland. Now, the United States Marshal Service has deemed some of these sightings more likely than others. We have 1976, a Swedish woman said that she had collaborated with Bishop twice while on business trips in Ethiopia, and she said that she had seen him in a public park and was sure it was him. Yep. She didn't report it at the time because she didn't know that he was a wanted man. We also have 1979. A former U.S. Department colleague said he saw him in a restroom in Italy. He greeted the bearded man whom he believed was Bishop, saying, You're Brad Bishop, aren't you? He said that the man panicked and said no and ran away. In 1994, a neighbor of Bishop's who had known him and his family for years spotted who he believed was Bishop in Switzerland on a train platform. So those are the unconfirmed sightings of Bishop. But all people who kind of knew him. Yeah, but if you feel guilty, like if these people feel guilty like about like him murdering his family. Yeah, well, stuff, I think it's traumatic enough that you're going to maybe see the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm not I'm not super surprised that people see him like Oh, for sure. So, there was the county sheriff named Knight who occasionally ran Bishop's social security number through the credit bureaus. And in 1990, he got a hit 
on a man in Los Angeles with a different name but the same social. The man was deceased. And it sounds like they never were able to get to the bottom of it. Like, could this have been Bishop hiding? In Los Angeles. Yeah, using the same social. Either way, the man had passed away. But the lead did prompt them to send someone to look at Bishop's files at the State Department, right? So this little blurb that may or may not have been anything could have been a mistake in the credit bureau, you know, the wrong Social Security number being used or something. Someone stole his social at some point. Right. Could be something like that. Either way, this prompts them to review the case. So in Bishop's file, which is in the bottom of a drawer, they find a letter. And this letter would cause them to look at Bishop's case again. They found that a certified letter had been sent from Albert Kenneth Bankstrom in 1976, which is two weeks after the murders of the Bishop family. He was a federal prison inmate at the United States Penitentiary in Marion. Now, when police read this letter, they believe that it indicates that Bishop may have been planning the murders ahead of time. I would say probably. But even like months ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think premeditated murder is premeditated murder. Whether you premeditated for a month or or you premeditated for... Six years. Or one day. Or a day. He, no matter what, he went out. Like he bought, bought the tools yep. to kill his family. 100%. Bought the gas can, filled up the gas, knew exactly what he was doing. Mm. It's premeditated for sure. But maybe this could lead them to the why Bishop yeah. did this. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Why? Why did he murder his entire family in cold blood? I don't know. The letter also indicated that he considered hiring paid killers to perform this task. It never specifically says murder. Too bad that's illegal. They believe that also this pointed to North Carolina, where we know the bodies were disposed of, and also a possible rendezvous with a woman in that state. It implied that there was going to be an agreement to help Bishop find a shooter in exchange for a passport. So maybe he sold his identity to someone else? Maybe. It also refers to Phelps Lake and Cresswell, which are two places near where the bodies are found. Okay. It says in the letter, Now, in answer to your question, yes, I am not sure she is in North Carolina State Penitentiary. When I wrote you in February, letter 5... I explained that she was there and that David Paul Allen knew this. Sonny in Atlanta. I am sure he is a capable person and knows all about Cresswell. Bishop had instructed him to send letters to his U.S. State Department office address. The last letter was mailed 16 days after the murders without knowing they had happened or that Bishop was on the run. So, Bankston, the guy who sends the letters, he actually dies in 1983 before law enforcement discovers his connection to Bishop because the letter has been sitting in a file in a drawer. The letter referred to two previous letters, and it also mentioned a man named Sonny. When interviewed 
in witness protection, he said he didn't know anything about it, but that he wouldn't have done it if there were kids anyway, because it was against their code. This is implying that Sonny might have been the person that was going to be hired to kill the, to family. Kill the family. And Sonny is saying, in witness protection, by the way, <laughs> that he wouldn't have done that. Now, the letter's actually postmarked for the day that police originally searched Bishop's office. But it would turn up after this and be put in the file by the State Department employee and forgotten. When authorities returned for another look at the files, they were gone. They said that the FBI had reviewed the files, but that cannot be verified. So in 2010, authorities believed that Bishop was living in Switzerland, Italy, or somewhere in Europe, or maybe California. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Who knows? But, you know, authorities, authorities know where he is. Know, they right? know where he yeah. might be. So they believe that he could be teaching or involved in criminal activity. So he's either teaching or he's involved in criminal activity. I know, activity. right? What? I don't even know, dude. What makes you think he's teaching? I think this indicates that they have no fucking clue. He could be in Europe or Italy or Anywhere. California. Maybe Mulan. I don't know. Maybe Mulan. Mulan's in Italy. I already said Italy <laughs> and I said fine. Mulan. It's the same. Okay, anyway. On October 18th, 1981, a homeless man with one single dollar in his pocket was struck and killed by a car on Highway 72 in Scottsboro, Alabama. He was buried as a John Doe. And in 2013, another push to identify him was made and a photo was taken by the coroner and this photo was circulating. That was taken by the coroner was circulated. And like it wasn't a new photo. And a photo that was taken by the coroner, you know, before he was buried, was circulating. And on October 9th, 2014, a man named Jeremy Collins had seen the photo of the homeless man in the papers. And months later, he was watching a show called The Hunt that did a feature on Bishop. And he thought that they looked similar. He called it in and the man was hit about 200 miles away from where Bishop's car had been found. So not crazy that he would have been able to travel that distance. Right, but would he still be there? Maybe. Maybe. So he goes over to Italy and all these other places and then comes back to the same place where he Maybe he was guilty. Well, he died in 81. They were killed in like 76. Yeah. So, so if he had stayed in the area and become homeless. To hide. Maybe. With this homeless man and bishop, there were discrepancies in height and eye color. The John Doe was described as shorter with blue eyes, but they thought the coroner could have at the time just been wrong. Maybe. So the theory was that he'd been hiding in the Smoky Mountains all this time, which if you look at when this homeless man was killed and when the family was killed, it's not that big of a difference. Right. And he did have an outdoor experience. But yeah. they did have DNA from Bishop that had been lifted off of a shaving kit found in his car. And also they had cigarette butts that were also found in the car as well. Um, they decided to exhume the John Doe's body and get DNA. And this DNA from Bishop and the homeless man did not match. Yeah, so I feel like there wasn't really enough evidence to even merit exhuming the body. The eye color didn't match. The height didn't match. But I think they were like, well... Why not dig him up? Why not dig him up? Let's give it a try. Get some DNA from him anyway. Run his DNA and shit, probably. So at the end of the day, that is everything we know about Bradford Bishop. 
But something else interesting happens. And this is a woman named Kathy Gilchrist, who was adopted as a baby by the Sidebottoms. Who's the Sidebottoms? Just a family that adopted her. Okay. just So she's given up for adoption right away. And she is adopted by a family. Okay. Now, this family was described as wholesome and... Kathy grew up feeling that she was chosen and always felt loved. She never felt abandoned. So she never felt the need to search for her birth parents. But as she got older, she started to wonder, and she decided to take a DNA test. She went on to 23andMe, and she ordered one. And once she got it, she spit in the tube and sent it back, thinking, how great would it be if she found some new family connections? she would get a match to a woman named Susan Gilmore. And she would match as a third cousin. And it turned out that Susan was actually a super sleuth who had been tracking down relatives for adoptees for more than 25 years. So she actually kind of does this as a hobby. And then she gets matched to somebody who was adopted. And is looking for their family. And she happens to be one of her family members. So after months of trying to determine how her and Kathy were related, she was able to track down Kathy's birth mom, who was a second cousin to her father. Tracking down her birth father would prove to be more difficult, and it would take more than a year. Kathy had also submitted her DNA to Ancestry, adding to the potential branches of her search. Um, speaking of Ancestry, if any of our listeners have done Ancestry, will you guys please tell me how many matches you have on Ancestry? It's thousands. I've heard that for everybody. I know that it's thousands for everybody, but not on your side of the family. On my father's side of the family, I feel like I have a really disgusting amount of Ancestors. Yeah. Like a people I that I'm... I think that's actually more normal then. I think my family side being... A lot less um, is probably more unusual. It's about half of what I have. Yeah, it's a big difference. From yeah. my father's side of the family of people who I matched it's with. It's probably because my family has a lot of criminals in it, so they don't submit their DNA. <laughs> hey, I've already had someone from your side of the family track me down and be like, hey, I think this person might be your father. Let me know if you have any other information. I'm like, actually, that's my grandpa, but... I love that you're trying to hunt down the family And secrets. I have no other information. <laughs> anyway. Actually, that's my, that's my grandpa. And they're like, oh. What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> so when she tracks down who she believes might be Kathy's father, she calls her. And she asks her if she's sitting down. And Kathy's like, what? Is he famous? To which, to which Susan replies, kind of. No way. That's actually what she was Yeah, like, that's literally what she said. I'm not paying attention. She to told computer. her that she believed her father was William Bradford Bishop Jr. So she Googles the name. And what comes up but the FBI's most wanted poster staring back at her. Can you imagine? She does, however, immediately see the resemblance, which you want to see. So this is her 
And this is Bradford Bishop. Yeah. I'd say they look related. They look scary related, actually. I know, right? Okay, so... It's actually like a really scary resemblance. <laughs> like, too much. It makes <laughs> you uncomfortable. I'm I'm sorry for her, because that's traumatizing, looking like someone who literally mass-murdered their family, and if you weren't adopted out, you could have been murdered as well. Right. You happen to look exactly like him, so then you get to sit there at night and think about what other characteristics that you have gotten from this man. Yikes. Special Agent Karen Cody had taken over the Bradford Bishop case in 2018, the same year that he was actually removed from the FBI's most wanted list, probably because they just think he's too fucking old to actually cause any havoc right now. She is responsible for following up on tips that continue to come in throughout the years. She was skeptical about the email that came in saying that a daughter of Bishop's had been located. Bishop's life since before college had thoroughly been accounted for, so she was very doubtful that this child belonged to him because she would have been born during that time. Well, of course, because they definitely know everything that I this know, man right? has done because they're part of the FBI. <laughs> but after interviewing Susan and Kathy, she decided that she would go a step further and she collects a DNA sample from Kathy and she compares it to the DNA sample that they have collected from the cigarette butts that were found in the abandoned station wagon all those years ago. Because, you know, ancestry can be wrong. It can be, actually. It can you be wrong? That. Yeah. Yeah, it can be? Yeah, it actually can be. The FBI is actually able to confirm that Bradford Bishop is biologically related to Kathy. Yeah, you should look at her face. I think it screams that she's related to him. I was going to say, I think it's <laughs> actually the picture that made them even run the DNA in the first place. Now, the FBI would call this the biggest development in the case, and maybe that's because this possibly sheds light on something that no one knew about or just because it's actually something new in the case because they've had really nothing in this entire case. Yeah. This also means that Kathy was born before the rest of the Bishop children. So this is his life before, probably before he was married. Could he have met her mother when he attended Yale? We also don't know if he even knew about Kathy. Yeah. They put out a call for information for that time frame between 1957 and 1960. They said anyone who knew Bishop, who could still be alive, we would very much like you to come forward and shed light on this aspect of his life that we may not already know. Kathy did say that she often thinks about her father and how... He could have been a famous actor, an ex-president, an important scientist, but no. He's a mass murderer who killed her half-siblings that she will now never know. Yep. She also discovered that she had six other half-siblings from her mother. What the fuck? She has now met four of them. She actually writes a book called It's In My Genes, and she says in there, Part of my mission is to caution people about those DNA tests. If you are not prepared for what you might find, it's not a game. Yeah, or like the hundreds of siblings that are connected to that one fertility doctor. I know. Can you imagine? Now, Bradford was on the FBI most wanted list until 2018, 
and today he would be 86 years old. The FBI is offering a $100,000 reward for tips that lead them to Bishop. Anyone with information about William Bradford Bishop should call 1-800-CALL-FBI. Yeah, that's the story of Bradford Bishop. Family annihilators. I would guess that he went off somewhere and lived under an alias and died under that alias, and we will probably never know. 100%. I also agree with that. I do think it would be interesting, though, to continue following his DNA trends to see if he ever, like, actually started, like, another life, had any more kids or anything like that. Yeah, so let us know what you guys think about this case. Come and check us out on social media. Come and join us on Patreon. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. The, I, let me preface this with, I don't know how true this story is because I heard it off of Reddit. So it could be a completely true story and it could be completely fake because you never know what you're going to get on Reddit. Okay. But this guy said that he was, that the military sent out this notification to all their people who are serving that says, don't do DNA testing. Don't do ancestry. If you've ever served in the military, don't do it. And this guy who used to be in the military, not anymore, contacted one of his buddies who's like still in it and asked him. Is it because they're finding illegitimate children all over the place? (laughs) Yes. Which since like soldiers that were overseas and got people pregnant, had kids. I would be, I would say there's probably a lot of that happening. I would also assume well he said that there's a shit ton of it happening this it Reddit doesn't matter story. though your kids do it your family does it anyone in your family does it you're going to be connected to those kids yeah no yeah. exactly so i just funny. think it's literally fucking hilarious where they're like don't enter stop entering your dna we can't keep giving out citizenships stop <laughs> that's so funny uh, all right okay i don't think so because you were like six i was actually not born yet Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. 70s? Yeah. So I definitely wasn't there. I was thinking, like... But thanks for severely aging me. <laughs> oh, my God. Cry about it. I was thinking, like, 86. You still wouldn't be six, but... I still wouldn't be six. <laughs> I was just throwing on That's fine. You're still gonna be young as fuck, though. Like, what? Madison's just showing, like, throwing random shit out there. It's fine. Okay. Yes. Are you guys actually no, we just shit around down here. We just, like, hang out oh, down God, here. I can't hear you guys. Oh. Yes, we are really recording. What do you want? Um, can my friend Kurt come over today? No. Why? Because I don't know who Kurt is. Is your room clean? Yeah. I would say that's questionable. Why can't her friend Kurt come over? Because yeah. I don't know who Kurt is. Well, you'll meet Kurt when Kurt gets here. It's not like she's going to Kurt's house. Does he house. go to your school? Yeah. I, why have I never heard the name Kurt before? I don't know. He's in my drama class. Maybe you don't listen. I do listen. She does not. (laughs) Two against one. Air high five. She has not talked about Kurt from her drama class. Okay, well, sometimes you don't hang out. Like, I was only friends with, I was only class friends with Skylar and didn't mention Skylar until, like, I was. 
You okay? Actually, you randomly switch your friends all the time. And maybe she's maybe she's learning who her friends are and is trying to make better decisions based on the fact of. Well, so far I'm not impressed with a lot of her decisions. Yeah, she's also twelve, and it's kind of hard to judge people. (laughs) Thirteen. Shit, my bad. 